0: You're listening to the Back Home Network, presented by Homefield Apparel. And welcome Hoosier fans to another victorious episode of The Assembly Call as today your Indiana Hoosiers move to 4 and 0 on this young season with an 86-56 to victory over the Miami University Redhawks at Gainbridge Fieldhouse in Indianapolis uh, in a game that, you know, Miami kept close for the first 10 to 12 minutes, and then Indiana really asserted themselves uh, and extended the lead as you would expect them to do, led once again by Trace Jackson Davis, who we will talk a lot about on this show. I'm your host, Jared Morris. I'm here with Coach Brian Tonsoni and Andy Bottoms. And, guys, let's start this show the way we start every show – and that is with our Hoosier Your Proud banner moment. And I'm going to go back to a moment from uh, the first half. Uh, and that is, you know, when Indiana was up 10, it was 36-26. And they were in control, you know, but it, it's still just kind of been a little bit of an uneven first half. Uh, and I thought Trace Jackson Davis really – put a nice punctuation mark on it uh, with a nice little stretch where he basically created five points of his own uh, to extend the lead uh, all the way uh, up to 15. First, he grabbed an offensive rebound, hit a nice little turnaround jumper. Then on the next possession, he got a defensive rebound, and that would be a theme of the day, which is Trace Jackson Davis on the defensive glass. But he led the break, found Miller Cop in the left corner for three, and Miller Cop, as he's been doing all season long, drains it in transition and you know, there was just there was something about Trace's body language during that stretch. He was just very confident, very, very focused. And then, you know, I, I tweeted out at the time he's carrying himself like a man among boys out there, uh, and just kind of this aura of determination that I thought he brought to his play, and especially that segment of the game, to essentially just put it out of reach and say, "Look, there's not going to be any hangovers after a big win." We're not messing around here. Let's take care of business, and that's exactly what Trace did in 25 really effective minutes. He was plus 26, uh, scored 17 points, grabbed 16 boards, had three assists. Uh, he was fantastic today, uh, and made sure uh, that you know that nothing funny happened, and that uh, that Indiana did what they needed to do. Uh, another terrific performance from Trace Jackson Davis. All right, let's talk now about our presenting sponsor. All right, our banner moment, as always, brought to you by our friends at Homefield Apparel. They are now in their sixth season sponsoring the assembly call and their second as the presenting sponsor for the Back Home Network. And look, Christmas is coming up. You need to do shopping for the people on your list. And homefieldapparel.com should really be the first place that you stop because they have 150 something schools now. Uh, and they've got something for fans of any school and no matter what season you're trying to shop for whether you want t-shirts or they're really nice crewnecks or the hoodies they've now got jackets i mean they just have so many different items there that you can get and what's nice is all the designs and logos are really unique and special you know a lot of them are vintage from you know far back and they bring them back breathe new life into them and the materials that they put stuff on are high quality. They're comfortable. They maintain the colors through many washings, and they've got a special deal going right now for Black Friday. The promo code is Black Friday. You get twenty percent off your entire order. So load it up, get something for everyone on your shopping list. Uh, once again, it's Home Field Apparel. The promo code for right now, Black Friday. But if you don't do it right now, and you're ever there and you need a promo code, you can always use our promo code Home and get fifteen percent off. But the website is homefieldapparel.com support them. They support us. And I mean, look, you get great, uh, great apparel uh, when you do. So homefieldapparel.com, wear one for the team. All right, well, it is time to move the ball, find the open man and get some opening thoughts from the rest of our team. And we will start with Andy Bottoms. Andy, your Bottoms line on this Indiana victory. I mean, a
1: good cap on a hell of a weekend for IU sports uh, across the board. <laughs> you yeah. know, Martha, the Mop Lady tweeted out, you know, you start with Friday with the, uh, the win over Xavier, throw in a couple volleyball wins, including a big road win for them. Soccer team wins women's team blows out uh, Quinnipiac uh, just a, a great weekend all around for IU sports. But, you know, for, for this game, it was, um, you know, kind of sleepwalking a little bit through the first part, really not making Miami work, settling for, uh, a number of long jumpers there but uh and they reference this on the broadcast um that you know i use up 10 to 9 at some point or down 10 to 9 at, at somewhere around there woodson calls a timeout and at least the way that i charted it the last 21 possessions of the first half after that point when it was that i used down 10 to 9 i used scored 34 points so that's a just a crisp 1.62 points per possession over the remainder of the half from that point and <laughs> Uh, I think they scored fifteen points on the last seven possessions finished on 11, 11-0 run uh that was uh part of part of the t j d plays that you mentioned were part of that so I, I think understandable to a certain extent the quick turnaround after uh emotional road victory that maybe you wouldn't be as sharp as as you might wish you'd be want to be uh early on, but I thought from there i u really settled in and controlled things uh at that point on and, and defensively was pretty strong throughout that really was not the issue at the beginning of the game either. So, uh, it's another game where you kind of take care of business, do what you need to do. Uh, you always want to get through these without injuries. TJD was icing his back there, uh, toward the end, certainly a situation where it's not worth putting him back in the game, uh, given what the situation was. So we'll see. And if he needs a little rest and, uh, arguably these next two games coming up this week, that would be fine as well. But, uh, that Anthony Leal turns in, turns an ankle late. Um, but, uh, yeah, all, all in all the end result was what you would expect it to be. Just the, the start was a little bit sluggish if you want to, uh, if you want to nitpick, but overall, uh, they really turned it on and, and really gained control and never let go after that uh, appointment. They were down 10 to nine
2: coach. It's time. So time. what's on your mind? Well, first of all, thanks to Andy and Jen bottoms for hosting a couple of their, um, uh, internet friends as as the bottoms girls uh called us um <laughs> it was a yeah they, they question why you're hosting some internet friends uh, but but the whole entire family was was very welcoming to cincinnati as was the iu alumni association of cincinnati for the watch party just really enjoyed uh, talking basketball sharing the assembly call story and stuff and then tonight's game you know, it was, it was a little sluggish. You probably expect that after a big emotional win Friday. Uh, the thing is that they overcame that and got better throughout the game. And that's what you want your teams to do is, is improve within the game. And, and that timeout that Woodson took, shortly thereafter, I thought they, they – picked up the pace offensively, and they had more player movement. Uh, Bardo was talking about ball movement. They were moving the ball but standing still early. And I thought they ran some more sets. They ran some floppy action, some back screen action, different things. Uh, And the ball ended up going inside still. But against the pack line, you got to move the help. And I think Indiana allowed Miami – to just sag in and make life a little difficult. And then when Indiana missed some open threes early, that's when everyone got a little stressed in the discord and, and whatever, wherever you were on Twitter and and worried about the performance, but water was going to find its level. And I thought they uh, did outstanding job. And the other thing that I'm looking forward to talking to today is that this roster continues to impress when you got guys coming in to pick up for Trey Galloway like a C.J. gun. And then in, in cleanup time, Caleb Banks shows his potential. There's a lot of good things that these games and the next two games are going to show us. And I thought Indiana got a lot out of today's game.
0: Yeah, no, no question about it. Um, and, and we will spend a lot of time talking about those guys. You know, I think uh, let's spend a little time talking about the defense um, here off the top, which, you know, held Miami of Ohio to point eight one two points per possession. Uh, they shoot just 32.4%. You know, and I thought early, you know, it was, you know, the defense was fine, but they were giving up a few more drives and kind of doing some of the overhelping, giving up some, you know, some more open threes than you would like. But it really felt like they tightened that up. And I thought, once again, the young guys coming in off the bench really provided a spark there. You know, you didn't have Trey Galloway's energy on defense, and usually that's one of the roles that he provides, Coach. But I thought today, I thought Tamar Bates defended with great energy. I thought C.J. Gunn defended with great energy. I think Malik Renu does everything with, with great energy. And we're going to talk about him. Uh, it's going to be an interesting film room for Malik Renu. Uh but, but I really thought, you know, I thought once again, those guys really came in and provided a jolt. And I thought that, in addition to, you know, what I mentioned earlier, which is just Trace Jackson Davis was just really determined today. Um, you know, and I thought that really helped kind of get the defense going. And, and that really took control in Miami of Ohio. At that point, was essentially just stuck trying to chuck threes or make tough shots. And they did make a, you know a few tough shots, but the defense really tightened up after you know kind of a rough start.
2: A couple things, uh, TJD, when he's providing that effort from the start really helps his team get going. His rebounding today, obviously the numbers speak for itself, but just his, uh, just the way he's rebounding, both offensively and defensively, he's just going up and getting the ball, and he's, it's his. And, and he is running the floor, and he's playing with with a lot of juice and a lot of energy, and I think that rubs off on everyone. Even, even the last couple of games with some slow starts, he has brought it. And then you have Geronimo with the blocks late, too, like drive into the lane and get your stuff thrown against the backboard. You know, please do that. Um, that one block I, was so good. It, like, it ended up being a perfect assist out to the guy yeah. at the three point line. <laughs> but I, I agree with you. I thought Tamar was a, a lot better. He got shook one time at the top of the key, and the guy hit a pull-up jumper. But you're going to have that. I thought C.J. Gunn was magnificent today. And if he can play defense, he's going to see more minutes. Because he's, you know, like the microwave, Vinnie Johnson. He's going to be instant offense uh, tonight. But I, But I thought – the The concern, Jared, you brought it up, is the overhelp on the on the top drive or the ball screen uh, when they're playing the over and drop coverage. That the wings are pinching in, and I don't think they have to commit so much because they're kicking it out for wing threes just from the point. That's been a concern all year. I've seen that happen uh, when we interviewed Coach Yah. He was talking about those closeouts, and I, I think the guys are just overcommitting to the ball handler instead of jabbing at him. And then getting and starting your retreat to the wing, and that's something that against better teams you're going to have to clean up because they'll hit a a tougher um, percentage of that. But the defensive effort was was there all night. I thought Uh, it didn't wane uh, even when the shots were being missed early.
0: He had also just felt early like there were a few miscommunications on some switches and just, you know, like, look, I mean, I was fully expecting a slow start in this one. You know, you're in kind of a different you're in a neutral arena coming off that big one, that big win. So this is one of those games. I don't think there's anything to ever to be concerned about if it's a rough start. It's does it linger? And it didn't. Indiana took control, had control by halftime and controlled the whole second half. So, you know, all all that was fine. Andy, I thought it was a really interesting game for Jalen hood uh, who came out and really seemed to be pressing early. Like, I want to make a shot, you know? And he missed four shots, I think, before the first media timeout. Um, you know, a couple of them kind of felt a little bit forced. And, you know, but what I was really impressed by is he came back in the game after sitting and was ready to shoot again. And I felt like his shots were a little bit more within the flow of the offense, not quite as forced. And, you know, I think he made four out of his next six, including, you know, one three pointer that he dribbled into, got a couple of nice putbacks. Um, And, you know, that continues to be one of the things that I like about these freshmen is, boy, they are confident and they are always out there trying to make a play. And you can see, you know, the coaching staff, especially with Malik Renew, you kind of have to try and rein it in (laughs) a little bit. But you would so much rather have young guys where you're trying to rein it in as opposed to trying to, like, push them to be more confident and do stuff. And so I thought with Jalen in particular, you know, seeing him as a shooter, because, you know, that's a big question mark, Struggled to see it go down, but within the game, just come right back and keep shooting. And he got that turned around and he ended up making, you know, five of his last eight shots, you know, ended up you know scoring 12 points, uh, you know, to go with five boards and, and a couple of assists. So, you know, it's another one of those where it's like, it may not quite be everything that you want to see from a phenom freshman. And yet he was still rock solid again, as he's been in every game this year.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with you. It felt like he was really trying to force things. And and I think he wasn't the only one at the beginning of the game. It, it just felt like every time the first even moderately good shot was available, it was going up and, and didn't really make Miami work a whole lot. You know, Coach mentioned that before about really trying to move the the help and, and some of those kinds of things. It just first you know, first chance they got to, to throw it up there, they did. Uh, and, and he was definitely emblematic of that. But, but I agree with you that you do see some of that maturity, maybe beyond what you'd normally expect from a freshman to really come back in, settle down a little bit and and rein it in a bit more over the course of the game. So um, I think there, there are definitely opportunities for him to, to take shots within the flow of the game. Uh, I just didn't know that, too many of the ones early on were in the flow of the game and the one he misses a layup going to the basket. Like that's one thing, but you know, some of the threes and things and and pull up, you know, long twos while he can make those shots. There are also shots he can get at pretty much any point within the, the, the possession. So uh, at that point when IU was, was not really running a whole lot offensively, just kind of a chance to really settle everybody down and actually try to, to run through something. And if that's the shot you end up with, then so be it. But, doesn't necessarily need to be the shot. You end up with 18 seconds on the shot clock. But um, but I agree with you. you know, good poise from him to to kind of adjust within the flow of the game and get himself back into it, a little bit more of a flow uh, as the game went along and, and was a lot steadier over the last 35 minutes, uh, the, the parts of that that he played than he was over the first five.
2: Yeah. Go ahead, Coach. It is nice to see him play through uh, some of the struggles from the previous game shooting. He ends up 2 of 4 um from from three and double digits in, in scoring and, and i thought uh you know he he's going to be one of those guys that never gets called for uh a fouls when he drives to the lane and then and he misses but how about his offensive rebound he tipped in um a couple i believe he just he can play and 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 Regardless, the shooting is the extra is icing on the cake. Everything else is, is is what he brings to to the game. And I, I thought he had an okay game and, and he'll have some really great ones coming up, I'm sure. Coach, how would you how would you handle
0: a player like Malik Renew, who like his every thought on every possession is I want to go make a play. And it's great, you know, and you see him and and I mean he's so good offensively. I mean, he was five for seven you know, scores 10 points, has three assists, he gets three steals. Like he's out there and on balance, he is making so much more good stuff happen than bad. And yet, you know, you see some of the, the room for improvement, right? Like he tried to go for that one steal on the perimeter and ended up leading to a wide open three pointer. And you see, sometimes he tries to do a little bit too much, you know, on offense and maybe forces a pass here or there does this, that and the other. And so yeah that's what I meant earlier you know when I tweeted that you know it's going to be an interesting film session for him because there's lots of obvious stuff to kind of pick out and coach him on and yet you don't at all want to take away that aggressiveness that just makes him such a beast out there I mean he just he's constantly putting pressure on the opposition in a way that you actually don't often see from big guys like he's there's this kinetic presence to him when he's on the court and it's it's just great so how do you Maintain that, but just help kind of you know smooth out some of the rougher edges around his his early game as a freshman.
2: You go up to me, say Malik, great game, son. <laughs> Cut out the shit, and you'll be better. <laughs> s- s- lay some up for the next game. You leave a guy like that alone. Yeah, you coach him, you instruct him, like you said. You you deal with in film room, but you show just as many film clips positive as negative. But you play him more. <laughs> play him more so he has like four mistakes and 45 good plays and the ratio is just you know outstanding you you just you you thank him for coming to iu is what you do every game <laughs> i mean you know some guys can pee off the train right uh you know and, and do whatever they want to do malik renew is it's just one of those guys that uh yeah. Okay, Malik. I got a couple things I kind of want you to work on. Don't take it too seriously. Just keep doing what you're doing. <laughs> that, that's how you handle studs, you know. Now your role players who come in and make that same mistake who lunge and do that now now you're a little more heated with the role players who do that. But your studs, like you know, that wasn't a good decision, but you had 18 other great ones. Thanks, <laughs> Andy. What well, are your seriously, thoughts? you just teach. <laughs> Yeah, Yeah, the game of basketball is like a classroom. You just teach, uh, but you got to balance it. You know, um, you just make sure that you don't, as you said, the important things, you don't take away that confidence and and that playmaking from that position. Uh, You can't – yes, you want to coach to perfection, but you also got to make sure there's a highlight reel in there and and, and you show appreciation. And I've said all along, I think that's Woodson's – one of his greatest assets is his ability to talk and communicate.
1: Yeah, it was, it's it's funny to me with him. I think I think where you focus more of those kinds of reigning in type conversations probably a little bit more defensively of where he doesn't really need to take chances there. He can be a solid defender. I think on the offensive side, he made some really good passes to either lead to to baskets or there was one that was I think that um, I, I hate to give Stephen Bardo credit, but talked about like the hockey assist. He kicked it up to CJ Gunn who got it into. Uh, to trace for a, a basket there like that stretch he was fantastic making making plays on that end you know and then the one where it's like you're thinking this guy needs to give it up somebody's like floating out to the wing uh for a three and he's like hell no i'm gonna euro step past this guy like put it in the basket so you, I, I think i think where you probably want to focus more of that reigning in is maybe on taking fewer chances defensively but yeah on the offensive end he sees things so well makes such you know we talked about uh, or you guys talked about this and we, we talked about it um, as we were, you know, kind of going over the game on ourselves, you know, he gets that play in the Xavier game. He's, he gets a ball at the free throw line. So that throws that great lob to TJD. He just has a great sense of uh, where to put the ball and is a good enough passer that I think y- you definitely don't do too much to, uh, to, to ratchet him back on that. end. I think, but defensively, if you at least get him maybe where he's not putting other guys in position to have to make plays, but yeah, the offensive stuff, I don't, I don't think there's anything you really want to do to rein that in.
2: That's a good point um, because you want people to try to make plays, just like the shooting. I, I, I did; they weren't taking great shots, and they're taking quick shots. But right now in these games, you want people to shoot to get their confidence. You, you, you're not going to spend a lot of time, you know. Yes, you work on the footwork with tomorrow on his first shot, and, and and I thought there were some rushed threes, but you almost got to overshoot right now uh, and get this get this confidence up. But that's a really good point, Andy, about. Yeah, you know, focus on his defensive errors where he made defensive errors because that's something that's going to be needed. Um, And, and, um, you know, you always want your offensive people to kind of push that envelope. Yep. Okay, coming up here as
0: we continue our breakdown of Indiana's 30-point victory over Miami, we will point out today's meaningful moments you might have missed, talk about Tamar uh, and Miller Kopp. Uh, And then we will go inside the numbers to highlight the most important statistical notes from this game. You're listening to The Assembly Call. Stick with us.
1: Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashback debit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. Hi, this is Lily King. I hope you enjoy the show, but ask yourself, do we really need this much basketball talk for a swimming and diving school? Where do you think the candy stripes came from anyway? Go
0: Hoosiers. Always a fair question. You're listening to the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. I'm Jared Morris here with Coach Brian Tonsoni and Andy Bottoms. We are breaking down Indiana's 30-point victory over Miami of Ohio. uh, And it is time now for...
2: Meaningful Moments That You Might Have Missed.
0: That's right. Meaningful Moments You Might Have Missed brought to you by our friends at Hoosier Ticket Project, where they help individuals and families experience IU athletic events in person for the first time through the generosity of alumni and fans to learn more about how you can donate money or extra tickets to help create meaningful moments for other IU fans, visit HoosierTicketProject.org. That's HoosierTicketProject.org. Um, all right, guys, I want to start. My first meaningful moment um, is features Tamar Bates. Uh, and it is when Indiana was up 32 uh, 26 uh, in the first half. And you may recall, uh, Tamar took it from over uh, on the right wing, drove into the lane, got a really good look in the paint. He missed it, and Race Thompson finished it with uh, his best Tom Pritchard uh, impression with a great follow up dunk. Uh, and to me, look, obviously, that was a, a great highlight play for Race. But I was more focused on the play from Tamar um, and him creating an offensive opportunity off the dribble. You know, one of our big offensive or offseason conversations about Tamar was, can he be the kind of three level scorer that we just really haven't had? You know, a guy who can be a threat from outside, but can also drive. It's what he did in high school. Like we've seen him do it in spurts, you know, and so we saw him make a, you know, a three pointer early. He missed his first one. His feet were a mess. And then, you know, really was set up much nicer on the second one and made that. But I was really Andy impressed from an offensive perspective, obviously in a game against lesser defense, but the way that he used his dribble in the half court tonight to create some offensive opportunities. Now, Indiana didn't convert all of them and he wasn't making shots when he got in there, but that ability to be a guy who can go off the dribble and put that pressure on the defense is really going to be important for Indiana. And so even though the result wasn't always there, I liked the process and seeing him be more confident using it because it's just something we haven't seen a lot through the first 3 games. And to me, if we can get some of that stuff in these 3 games and then start moving it up into the to the better competition, you know, these 3 games can be really valuable. And so to me, even though Tamar wasn't efficient as a score, what was he? Was he 2 for 6 tonight? Yeah, yeah. 2 for 6. I liked more of what he did in terms of his assertiveness with the ball and the dribble.
1: Yeah. I think, you know, for him, I, I look at it a couple ways. One, it's an opportunity to, to really get him going. Maybe that means he gets to a free throw line and sees a couple go through the basket that way. Uh, maybe he's able to get a drive to the basket and and score an easy one that way. I, I think he's a guy who's kind of searching uh, right now to get into a rhythm offensively. And so I think that gives him another way to do that as opposed to just standing on the wing in the corner and, and being asked to shoot three pointers, which is something that he can do, but something he's not done consistently. So if you're really trying to get yourself into a rhythm, and, the other thing that became maybe more important tonight because Galloway wasn't available, you know, but a night like tonight, typically who he's playing with, he may, he, he, he's playing with one of, of X or Jalen Huchifino and, and usually Galloway, at least the way the lineup's been, but without Galloway, I needed another guy to be a little bit more of a playmaker and, and do some things with the ball in his hands. And so I thought the assertiveness in, in spots there was needed based on the other personnel that were in the game. So I think that was uh, important. But I think it's a good opportunity to diversify what he's doing a little bit and, and maybe get him going, get into a little bit of a rhythm, be able to take some, you know, shorter shots and, and see a couple get in the hoop uh as you yeah. go through there. But I thought a better performance from him in this game than against Xavier. Uh, Obviously, difference in competition level, all those kinds of things. But I thought he was uh, a a, a little bit uh, just contributed in in different ways and was a little bit tougher to for the defense to figure out what he was going to do.
0: Yeah, you know, and on that subject too, Coach, we saw Miller Kopp do a little bit more off the dribble today. You know, he made the, the three-in transition, but we saw him, you know, really using his shot fake. Uh, you know, he drove one time, took his man all the way to the hoop, had another one where he had that little, you know, about a 10-foot floater and just <laughs> kind of died on the back of the rim and went in. Uh, pro- that's probably not something that's repeatable uh, against better competition. You know, he you know, was that kind of able to get a step. So I'm curious, you know, how interested you are in seeing him create offense like that. And then also, again, from Tamar, it's just nice to see some offense in the half court off the dribble that doesn't come from just X, you know, and Jalen.
2: Yeah, I'll, I'll start off with Tamar. I, I thought he was really into the game, uh, both both ends of the floor, and, and that's what you're going to need. Obviously, we want him to be a, a little more productive uh, across the stat uh, sheet, but you know, he'll he'll get there. And I really believe he will, but he's gotta be connected defensively or Coach Woodson won't play him. And so really I was more impressed with Tamar defensively not getting out of position, not playing helter skelter, uh, other than that one play, and, and I thought that uh, he has that ability to to get to the rim. I, I was impressed with uh, Tamar's offensive rebound on a long three, missed three, where as soon as he got it, he threw the assist to Race. I think Race got ended up getting filed, so I'm not sure he got an assist on that play. But again, that that is someone when you're searching for some offensive production. He could have taken that in and tried to lay it up and, and get filed, but he made the extra pass. And uh, I, I think that, you know, C.J. Gunn had one later, too, that that shows how this team is connected. We're hearing that over and over and over again. As far as Miller Cop, Miller Cop needs to be a shooter, and he needs to think shot every time he catches the basketball. I don't want him to shoot every time, but I thought there were times early that he passed up shots that we need – you know um, those dead three shooters to take and uh, there was one in the second half I thought really that he passed one up and I thought on that that pull-up floater that you talked about he really should have shot the three and yeah. that's what you have been talking about all year is take the three don't take the contested two Miller Cop's job is to make threes uh, and I thought he had enough room and space to do that. Now, a little bit later, three or four minutes later, he got that same kick out from the wing back towards the point and he was ready. He thought shot when he was catching, but it looked like all of the Indiana players were thinking pass inside or move the ball instead of shooting. And that's going to be an issue because if you're open in a college game, you got to shoot it and you're most open when you catch the basketball. Not after you sit and think, I think race does that too much. Race kind of fakes, and then he thinks, "Oh, I'm open now I'm going to shoot, and that's why he misses. When he's hit a couple early in the exhibitions, and everything, he just caught it and, and shoot. Um, you know, Woodson might need to free those guys up a little bit. like if you're open on, on the catch, shoot it. The drive the last drive of Miller cop, I'll take any day. That was hard and aggressive. He was able to score because it was Miami, but again, if he goes that hard on a hard closeout then you're going to create openings for your post on dump downs or kick out threes. I think he has to do a little bit of that, even though that's not his strength, in order just not to be a stand in the corner kind of guy.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, And then, you know, the the other moment uh, that I wanted to mention, really, it's in the second half, just about the defense. Indiana was up 19, 17, 15 mark had one of one of I thought their best defensive possessions of the year and included Tamar where both he and Xavier Johnson just did great jobs of cutting off drives to the basket just moving their feet you know and being ahead of the guy the help D was on point first forced a turnover uh it was rock solid during a stretch when I thought Indiana uh really played well defensively Andy uh your coach have a moment before we move to stats
1: yeah I wanted to hit a couple with CJ Gunn, I think he was a, a good storyline tonight, a guy that we didn't see against Xavier at all, but was clearly the ne- next man up with, uh, with Galloway out tonight. I thought a couple uh, really good defensive plays, which is not what I think anybody is, uh, is, is necessarily looking for when he gets on the, on the court, but uh, I think had a couple steals within first few possessions that he was in the game. One guy drives right into him uh, right about the free throw line, got the ball, I think ended up uh, getting the Miami guy called for a foul, another one he dug down. Uh, to somebody that had thrown it inside and, and got it there and even blocked a shot uh, but made some good decisions passing the basketball as well. Uh, missed a couple shots in the first half but did hit some uh, in the in the second. Uh, so I thought those defensive moments were good in the first half and then coach I think it was you that uh, alluded to this one uh, later in the game but I mean he, you know, your textbook example of one more passing, you know, gives up what he could have taken to give it to Caleb Banks who uh, made him look good by by draining the three but you know, just a really unselfish play. You talk about the connectedness between these guys. And uh, I thought some really good minutes from CJ Gunn, from a guy who, you know, coming off a game where he hadn't played, but didn't really feel like he pressed to say, Hey, this is my opportunity. I got to go do too much. Um, just thought he really grounded himself in the game by playing well on the defensive end. And then the offense came along uh, a little bit after that, as he went,
2: if he can guard, he's going to play. Cause you just can't, you can't leave offense on the bench like that if they, as, I mean, you do if they give up as much on the other end. And I was thinking that's what C.J. Gunn was just learning in the college game and Coach Woodson's defensive uh, philosophy. But tonight, I thought he was in really solid positions. I thought he, he attacked the ball uh, to get some uh, of the beloved deflections uh, and steals. And that was just impressive. And, you know, I I I'd like to see him – get a little minutes i don't know who i'd take out i'm not disappointed with anyone to reduce minutes but that, that that's a that's a good problem um i think can we, go i going to say andy mentioned caleb
0: banks can we linger for just a moment on caleb banks and the little euro step he showed toward the end of the game i mean this guy's got some tricks in his bag and look i know he's playing a lot of garbage time minutes but you'd like to see guys take advantage of those. And so Caleb Banks right now playing ten percent of minutes for Indiana. His offensive rating is 178.3. <laughs> uh he's eight of ten from the free throw line. He's four or five on twos. He's made his only three pointer. Um this guy's got some skills, I, man. I don't he's I, I know I he's he's not gonna play a smooth. lot because of the log jam, but I mean, you just watch him and
2: Feel, feel good. He's about a little the lost defensively. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. There but, was man. one time where they like Miami had a
1: layup <laughs> if they had seen it. He didn't have any idea where he was supposed to be guarding somebody, but yeah, he, him and gun do not lack for confidence in any way, <laughs> shape or form offensively. Uh, they are uh, definitely out there to get buckets for sure. So uh, that's yeah. a good problem to have.
2: I think my, 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 meaningful moment, I think we probably all saw, it, but the TV angle was kind of odd. But there was a play early in the game, I I have it down at sixteen twenty four when Jalen Hood Shafino drops a little, you know, no look around two people, bounce pass in traffic, uh, to Trace, who who lays it up for for a basket. And that's the stuff oh, yeah. when Hood Shafino had missed some shots or it goes to miss some shots, and everyone's wondering, um, Hello there, uh, what's going on? and, and I just thought that pass is indicative of this is a freshman point guard who can really see the floor. But that that was one where I, I kind of looked, did that pass get through? How did they get there? Was it deflected? And I, it, I think it was intentional. Down.
1: Yeah, I mean, but that was a crazy angle because it was one of those where I, I felt like I used to been struggling a little bit on some of their inbounds, their baseline inbounds plays. And that was one where it's like all you do is get the ball into the corner and you think, all right, you just got to reverse it, get it back to the top. And he somehow – Slipped it through there to him for a a really nice move that TJD made after the fact to to actually uh, get the basket. But, yeah, that that was one of the first ones that I I wrote down as well. Just reflective of a guy who was really struggling with the shot at that point. But, man, the vision to be able to see that and and somehow slip that pass through there was uh, incredibly impressive.
2: And how about his poise? Like, he gets hit in the face. He gets a questionable call. And he just has that stoic look like, I'm going to be that assassin next time down and that's the kind of thing you want from a point guard all
0: right my son has decided to join us for the rest of this segment should we go inside the numbers Teddy
2: let's go inside
0: the numbers Uh, let's pick out a few key stats to discuss Um, you know and the one for me that I want to start with is the three-point shooting coach you know you mentioned it earlier Uh, you know even though some of those attempts early you know, not as in the flow of the offense as you'd want them but Indiana did take 21 attempts uh, 21 three-point attempts out of their 63 field goal attempts, which is uh, which is back up over, you know, 33%. They made seven of them, so they're, you know, right at that 33% again from an efficiency standpoint. And don't look now, but through four games, Indiana's shooting 36.8% from three-point range, which is in the top 100. And I think, you know, again, even though you'd like to see uh, more of them out of the flow of the offense, this kind of distribution where it's, you know, out of 63 shots, 21 or threes, that's still not great, but it's I think a better a uh, ratio for this team to live by um as we as we move throughout the season. So I was certainly pleased to see that from a numbers perspective.
2: And and I only think a couple of them were shots I would say they shouldn't have taken. Uh a lot of them were early but the open. Early open is not bad. Uh early somewhat contested is not even bad. I don't think. Um But of the 21, I think 19 of them were were shots that when you go to film, you're going to say, yeah, we'll take that. Or maybe, you know, maybe later in the shot clock we'd take that. But there were none that were, I thought, maybe one or two that were just, whoa, we shouldn't even take those. Um, But, in fact, um, Jared, you know, to jump on your bandwagon that Mediocre Jay keeps texting you about, um, I think we passed up. Three or four opportunities, and now your percentage gets a little bit better. If we get up in 25, 26, uh, I thought they were a little timid after the slow start. Uh, I thought they passed up some, but uh, you got to take it's getting closer to the volume we need within the scope of the offense.
0: Yeah, the other uh, number that I want to point out is 10 defensive rebounds for Trace Jackson Davis. We mentioned on the last show his off his defensive rebounding percentage the first three games of the year was under 10 which is kind of insane, you know, just given his history. I mean, he's usually up over 20 uh, and given his position. Now it's right back around 17 and it'll keep going up. Uh, but it was really, I mean, I thought that was one of the stories of the game was Trace just controlling the glass in a way we haven't often seen from him. You know, his rebounding is sometimes a little bit inconsistent. Um, and tonight I just thought he was, you know, it was just, he just had a, a sense a determination about him. And, you know, we saw it in the Xavier game he's he's able to lead more, you know, and it's always kind of tricky to lead as a big guy. But he really carried himself like a leader. And I thought, actually, you can see it in the numbers going out in a game like this. It would be pretty easy for a guy like Trace to coast through, have 17 points, eight boards and have a really good game. And I just thought he was doing all the extra stuff um, today. And it really came through in his rebounding numbers. Andy, what numbers jumped out to you?
1: Yeah, I think along the along the same lines, some of the interior play, uh, you know, overall rebounds were a pretty solid story. But really, I mean, points in the paint, forty-two to sixteen, really shows where IU was able to control things. And I think that's where, when you look at the three-point shooting numbers that you talked about before, I think IU still trying to figure out th- this iteration of the team, what the right balance is uh, in some of those cases. I, I thought, you know, my only issue with some of the threes early was that once the first few hadn't fallen. Do you need to go a different way and try to try to get trace the ball a little bit, try to get yourself into a little bit of a rhythm? Um, but over the course of the game, it balanced itself out pretty well. I just thought in spurts they were, you know, things really tipped uh, heavily one way or the other. But that was really the, you know, the big one to me. The points in the paint were pretty dominant, uh, and and also reflected in the free throw numbers. IU gets to the free throw line twenty four times. Miami gets there just five. Um, you know, the other rebounding side, and, and people might look and say Miami got fourteen offensive rebounds. A lot of that was just, you know, long threes ricocheting out to somebody else. You mentioned the Geronimo one earlier where, you know, blocks a shot. It just lands right in somebody's lap. So I don't think that's reflective of any kind of uh, issue on that end of the floor.
0: Coach, you know, this is one of those games, you know, it's always kind of hard to figure out what numbers mean something. But did any other numbers jump out to you?
2: Yeah, the one scrolling down at the bottom, just because I'm messing around with these banners. um, (laughs) You you look and you have some questions about Indiana offense and you have some questions defensively because we just nitpick everything, right? And then all of a sudden it's 0.812. You mentioned that, I think, early in the banner moment. Uh, And and for any college uh, game, yes, the opponent is who it is. It's a rebuild for Coach Steele in his first year, and and they brought in a lot of transfers. But that's where you want it. You don't want to see that number at – you know, 0.97 against Miami, and you just kind of showed up to play tonight and didn't keep your defensive uh, principles. Uh, And so it's at a point where we got to – I think we as fans and we as, uh, you know, podcasters have to – readjust our, our evaluation, too, to having a good program again, too. Um, we, we were so used to when we struggled and lost to point out the things that needed to get better. You know, I, I think – I almost put this in the Discord one time because everyone at the eight-minute mark, it was too close. Patience, patience. The game will explode open. When you have a good program, a lot of times the game in the first ten minutes is tight. And then the cumulative effect of the defensive pressure, the cumulative effect of the offensive uh Uh, pressure and pace and and having a double team shows up in those point per possession uh, in all the stats that that we can look at and that's what good programs do especially against teams that aren't as talented and that even can have some benefit in the games that uh, against Xavier and and those teams too is when you have the depth and you have people who can come in there there's there's no time for our opponents to relax and I think the numbers show that regardless of who we play.
0: Yeah, and look, it is it's hard in some of these games against, you know, teams that are ranked in the two fifties and three hundreds to kind of gauge how are you doing. And this is really where I think, you know, when you have subscriptions to analytic sites like Ken Palm or you can go on Bart Torvik and look, this is where looking at things on a possession by possession basis and against expectations can be really instructive. And Indiana has now played four games and they have outperformed the analytic expectation in all four of those games. That's something that good teams do. And think back to all the recent Indiana teams. They might have, like, one or two where they did that, but then there would be one where they're only winning by 12, and it's closer than it should be. And all of these games so far, you know, they're doing better. And so, for example, they started out 12th in Ken Palm, Indiana now 8th in Ken Palm with an offense that is ranked 11th, a defense that is ranked 10th. I get that it's still very early, and those numbers don't mean a ton, but they are a good early indication that on a possession-by-possession basis in these games – Indiana's performing well. And just to give you some context there, North Carolina, which is, of course, the next big game Indiana has uh, on its schedule, you know, preseason number one in polls, they started number nine in Ken Palm. They are now number 18 because in their games against UNC Wilmington and Charleston and Gardner-Webb and James Madison, they're underperforming that expectation. Those games are a little closer than they should be. And so I think that is really useful context for how to gauge Indiana's performance, which, you know, outside of a few slow starts through 160 minutes has been outstanding this season, you know, when you go and you get the big road win at Xavier. So yeah, we're going to nitpick some things. And it's, it's, it's interesting. I think, you know, you just don't want to spend the whole time talking about all the positive. You want to talk about where the opportunities for improvement, but you can look at some of those early season numbers. And I think really, take some confidence and some excitement in the fact that this team is really, really performing well and actually outperforming uh, what they've been expected to do. Andy. Well, I, uh, I, oh
1: I, yeah. I think, I think, well, I guess two things, one statistical and one and one not. I mean, I look back at the, the, you know, again, kind of around using the latter part of the the first half that I referenced. And then the entire second half, I used scored a hundred or 1.4 points per possession. Um, that was, you know, that, that overall number that coach talked about, it's really weighed down by a, a, a pretty slow start, which w- was probably predictable in some regard. And then the less statistical uh, component, I think is a lot of what coach said is, is trying to get your head wrapped around the fact that, you know, this team is not luring you in uh, to, you know, as like Lucy pulling the football away from Charlie Brown, where I think we've kind of gotten to over the, over the last so many years where it's like, okay, I'm just waiting for something bad to happen. And, uh, coming off a great win, what are we going to do after after a great win? How do, how do things go wrong? Uh, and that's probably something that takes time for everybody to really develop a, a trust and, and things like that. But I do think this group of guys has, in in the the limited action we've shown has, or we've seen has shown enough depth, has shown enough uh, of, of an ability to bounce back to, uh, you know, to start to let everybody build some of that confidence and not freak out uh, when they come out and play. Uh, poorly for the first you know six seven minutes of a game but uh understandably i think in some ways probably not there yet as a fan base but it's something to strive for for sure
2: for for me something that stands out continue to be impressed with our two point guards you know xavier johnson needed to have a great game against xavier and, and he did not have the statistically great game today but i thought he was great again um you know i i thought uh you know he he took appropriate shots uh, except I'd rather him get his foot off the line and take threes instead of those twos with his foot on the line the first two baskets should have been threes and that's another example Jared of where, where you're right with the numbers the numbers go up if you take those two and then you had three shots that you might have passed up that I think were good shots now you're talking 25 26 threes and maybe even a better percentage but um rebounding is always going to be a key and at times it was okay and times it was bad but guard rebounding is going to be important for this team. Um, and, and five rebounds for X, five for Hood Shafino. I think that that speaks volumes. Uh, Hood Shafino had two offensive tip-ins there. That's good. And then, again, those two combined had six assists for two, turno- and two turnovers, a three-to-one ratio. Uh, so we're seeing some consistency, no matter who you play, that we have a point guard who can score – can get assists, can rebound, and they're on the floor at all times. Only maybe a couple times do you go to Trey Galloway or Tamar Bates, and that's so different than the team we had last year where it's just flip a coin if the backup point guard was going to be able to do anything. We all loved him, but – this is so much better point guard play. And I've said it over and over The college game, as much as we love TJD race and renew, and they're really going to drive us this year. It's a guards game and you have to have production. You add what cop did tonight was cop things uh, and tomorrow playing better and get, you know, now this is where you can start feeling confident. Um, if we aren't already overconfident about this, Hoosier team, but the guard play uh, has to be there. And it, I think it's been consistent And if that's the case, we're going to win a heck of a lot more games than we lose.
0: Absolutely. Well said, Coach. All right, coming up on the assembly call, we are going to hand out our game balls and the Hoosier Hustle Award. We'll discuss a lingering question or two, and then we will look ahead to what Indiana has coming up on the schedule. That's next on the assembly call. Stick with us.
1: As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills.
2: The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is.
1: Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse
2: impact. Hi, it's Thomas Bryant. What's the only thing better than being Kentucky in the NCAA tournament? Celebrating it with friends afterwards. Join Jared, Andy, Ryan, and Coach after every IU basketball game. Go Hoosiers.
0: Thank you, Thomas. You are listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. Catch us live immediately following every IU basketball game and every Thursday night at our website, assemblycall.com. Well, not every Thursday night, not Thanksgiving Thursday night. We'll talk about the upcoming schedule uh, here soon. But make sure you that you go uh, sign up for our free IU Hoops email newsletter. We're almost to 10,000 people on that list. You can join for free at join.assemblycall.com. That's join.assemblycall.com. All right, I'm Jared Morris, the coach Brian Tonsoni. And the bracketologist, Andy Bottoms, they are here. We are breaking down Indiana's victory over Miami. And it is time, guys, for our game balls, which are presented by our friends at Bloom Environmental, where Allie and James and the crew help folks in southern and south-central Indiana maintain healthy air quality in their home or business. You can learn more at bloomenviro.com. That's bloomenviro.com. And when you mention this ad, you get 23% off all of their testing services 23 in honor of TJD, and I think for the second straight uh, game ball that Bloom Enviro Mental has sponsored, I think it's going to be Trace Jackson Davis. Uh, I'll lead this off. Not going to get cute, not going to you know, try and fall into some trap where, hey, someone else off the bench really had to get... no. Trace Jackson Davis was the best player on the court. I thought at the pivotal moment of the game, uh, you know, where we were going to kind of figure out, all right, is this going to be a stupid dogfight or are we just going to assert our dominance? Trace stepped up and did what a superstar should do. And so he was the leader by numbers. He was the leader just by aura and energy. Um, and I think a game like this, look, I don't, again, I don't think we learn a ton about the veterans in games like this, but I do think this was another piece of evidence in the evolution of Trace as a leader. Um, because I don't think he's always, you know, obviously in some of these games he's played well, but there have been others that he kind of drifts in and out just like some of the other guys, and tonight he wasn't gonna let that happen. So I was just really impressed with how the mentality he brought to this game. He was the best player, uh, so he gets the game ball. Uh, I assume that you guys are going to agree, but let's find out. Andy, your game ball. Yeah, hard to go against the guy that's 17 points and 16
1: rebounds, I feel like. Seems like <laughs> a seems like a fair place to go. No, I think the thing i was going to bring up was you, you alluded to it at the end i think if we look back over shows we've done during his time at iu there would be points that we would say that a game like this he may not have shown that level uh played at the level that he did consistently tonight and i think that's been you know part of the evolution of him as a leader less so as a basketball player but to really see him embrace even the smaller moments to lead and to, and to lead by example. And I think that, um, uh, you know, talk about when the team to be player led and things like that, pr- pretty, uh, pretty, pretty tough to feel, uh, anything, but, but positive when you see your leader out there in a game that you should win handily, really being the guy that's putting forth as much effort as anybody. So, uh, that that's, that's who I'll go with for sure.
0: Yeah. And interestingly, coach, you know, not just out there trying to get numbers, because, you know, you take a, a senior who knows that he's, you know, moving up the list in points, you could see some motivation to go out there and make this a game where you take 22 shots and put up 30-some points, and he probably could have done that if he had wanted to, and yet he scores his 17 points on eight field goal attempts. You know, was able to get to the line, was looking for his teammates like that. It was just... Look, we talk about a lot on the show how watching young guys evolve all the way into seniors and seeing how they change just as people and leaders is what is what's so rewarding. And I think that's that's part of why I just really enjoyed watching him play today, you know, because you you really saw that it was just it was a terrific, uh, unselfish, but dominant performance by him.
2: Yeah, he's really improved, and I'm I'm going uh, with TJD as well. He is just playing with an intensity. His rebounding, I mean, he's just exploding up and getting rebounds. His drives to the basket, he's not, you know, dilly-dallying around, taking eight crab dribbles and then trying to, you know, work around a defender. He's just, you know, I really love that sigma move or that uh, face-up move that he gets in the mid-post when the ball's not right on the block. And then he just drives baseline, and he's got some agility around the rim. But you need your best player to be your hardest worker uh, in practice, and you need him to be that in games, and that has been a concern of, of ours with Trace for a time. If he gets two fouls, is he, you know, does he respond to that well in a game, or if things aren't going well, misses a couple? Uh, there have been times when he didn't have the. That, that hasn't been the case this year, uh, and it wasn't tonight. So yes, an easy uh, game ball selection. Uh, Trace Jackson Davis, when you get 17 points and 16 rebounds and you only play 25 minutes, uh, just a fantastic effort uh, from Trace.
0: As we mentioned in the last show, part of what we're doing with this fun little sponsorship is we're going to take a fourth of what they paid us for the sponsorship and give it to the winner at the end of the year of the person who has the most game balls. Uh, well, we can't just give it to them, but in exchange for an interview, if that person will come on the show, uh, we'll be able to give them that money. Trace out to a nice early lead with three game balls through four games. Uh, Malik Renu got the other one. So I think Trace is the odds-on favorite uh, to get this one. Uh, and now it is time for the Hoosier Hustle Award.
1: Hi, this is Anthony Leal, reminding you to check out our friends at Evansville Security Services. Based in the hometown of IU legend Calvert Chaney, Evansville Security Services has been providing off-duty police officers to businesses and individuals since 2001. In other words, they're in the business of prevention and peace of mind. And remember, prevention cannot be measured. To learn more about how Evansville Security Services can help you preserve your peace of mind by preventing bad outcomes, visit EvansvilleSecurityServices.com. That's com. All
0: right. Thank you, Anthony. Uh, obviously, we all hope Anthony is okay. Actually, I didn't see the play because I was like in between moving from the TV out there to my computer. I just heard Stephen Bardo talking about uh, the injury, the ankle injury. So obviously, hopefully, uh, he's okay. If, I haven't seen anything on Twitter, but if anybody has an update, uh, let us know. But we hope Anthony is okay. Uh, Hoosier Hustle
2: Award, gentlemen. Uh, Coach, why don't you lead us off? Uh, I'm going to go with CJ Gunn. Uh, I, I think when he came in at the 11, was it 11 minute mark uh, of the first half, he got a couple deflections, and I thought that he really did um, a, a nice job of kind of getting some separation or leading the Hoosiers uh, to getting that separation uh, that that was needed uh, in the first half to kind of, you know, just get the game where it needed to be. But he has to play with that kind of effort uh, in order to get on the court. And he's fighting for minutes. And I thought he was ready when the opportunity presented itself, which is what you always talk to those, you know, nine through 13 kind of guys, be ready, be ready, be ready. And he then came out today and did the little things. uh, Well, Uh, you know, obviously we like it when he hits shots and gets those breakaway dunks and shows his athleticism. But I thought, He has made improvement in the two weeks that he's played on that defensive side. and It is Miami, uh, you know, and I'm sure that he's not quite ready to go up against the North Carolinas and Arizonas quite yet, but maybe we're looking at a a back half of the season type of development guy that can really be a boost if Indiana needs some shooting and needs some scoring. So I just thought he came out and played. There's so many guys I think we can give it to, to be honest, but uh, I'm going to go with CJ.
0: Yeah, I think that's one of the things that we're going to like about this team and that we kind of started to learn last year is there's always a lot of options for this award, uh, which is really good. Andy, who gets your Hoosier Hustle Award?
1: Yeah, that certainly beats the, the what we've had to do sometimes where it's like, oh, man, oh I don't know. I do don't you know. Think? Yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, said with with great passion about who it is. Uh, I thought I was going to be original and go with CJ Gunn, but Coach beat me to it. So that, that's who I was going to go with. Yeah, I think, uh, interestingly enough, he he basically was filling in for Trey Galloway and did some of the things that we expect to see from Trey Galloway. Uh, threw in a little bit of, uh, you know, maybe a little bit more scoring. Certainly more shooting than than, than <laughs> Trey Galloway. Got, got up seven shots in his time. But I think, you know, his overall contributions, plus minus isn't perfect, as we always say. But, I mean, he was plus 22 in 18 minutes, I thought. Um, just impacted the game defensively and on the offensive end. Made a couple nice passes, so I thought that was good. A couple couple guys that we really haven't talked about to just throw in quickly. I thought Race Thompson uh, was really, really active, uh, yeah. maybe more so than than what we've seen in some of these other games, uh, including his, you know, kind of pushing his way through the Miami huddle, which I which I actually enjoyed as much as anything.
2: It was great. <laughs> uh, and
1: uh, just the look on his face as he like put both of his arms out and like went through those two guys, I thought was great um there's and, a lot of i'm G-
0: too old for this crap energy from race ab- 100 so
1: <laughs> percent, it was like a dad like breaking up kids even though those two kids yeah. weren't fighting but it was like um and and geronimo you know with the five blocks and in, in his time we talked about some of the blocks themselves. So Had four rebounds as well so i thought he he did well but i thought it was a good um not bounce back performance for race necessarily but i think a good game for him to kind of continue to build on as he you know you guys talked about it after the show we've all kind of seen it trying to figure out you know, where, where he's at in his you know progression of, of the season. And I thought it was a good effort from him, but yeah, CJ Gunn was the the, the guy that I had earmarked for this one.
0: Yeah. Look at, so CJ Gunn obviously wins it. Cause you guys both went with him. Um, and I do not argue with that at all, but I was going to give mine to Jordan Geronimo uh, and in part, it's the context, you know, Jordan obviously entered this season with high expectations. And then in Indiana's first game of the season at Xavier, he played five minutes. And that's after, you know, doing some nice things in the first couple of games. And, you know, I always, you know, find myself wondering, okay, is, you know, how is Jordan going to handle this? You know, and he always impresses. Like, that's the thing with Jordan Geronimo and his mentality is it's always there. It's always team first. And he came right back out tonight uh, and what he ended up playing 19 minutes uh, and made the most of them, you know, got to the free throw line six times, had five blocks, had four rebounds again uh, an opportunity that he easily could have you know kind of coasted through at 75 percent or even hung his head because he didn't play against Xavier uh and he came out and made the most of his minutes and that look man that's what we love about this bench I feel like almost every game you could you know you could give him a leak renew a who's your hustle award because I mean the guy makes mistakes but they are never mistakes of not hustling or just kind of standing around right and I thought Tamar really hustled today I thought defensively you know and and Uh, you know, all the time he was out there. So that is kind of becoming the defining trait of this bench is they come in and they play hard. Uh, And I really respect that about all these guys. But I wanted to give special mention to Jordan Geronimo, uh, who once again showed the kind of mentality that whether he ends up being the seventh man, the eighth man, the ninth man, whatever his role is, he's going to help this team win a lot of games because he's a team first player with a lot of athletic ability. And he goes out and plays hard and just makes plays. So hat tip to Jordan Geronimo. So he wins. That's actually Jordan Geronimo's third Hoosier – or no, uh, C.J. Gunn won. I'm sorry. So Jordan Geronimo has two, Xavier Johnson has one, and now C.J. Gunn with his first Hoosier Hustle Award of the season. Um, Okay, let's talk lingering questions. Chat mob, throw in any lingering questions that you have, Coach or Andy. Uh, I'm curious if you guys have a lingering question coming out of this game and maybe specifically that could be answered – you know, in these next two games that Indiana has, because by the way, they're not good. I think it's two sub three hundred teams: Jackson State and who's the other one? Little Rock. Little Rock on Wednesday, Jackson State on Friday. Three hundred nine, three
2: hundred twenty seven. My my lingering question: It's nowhere near what it has been in the past. Is is I still think Indiana gets off to slower starts than I'd like to see them? Um, and, and again, I I have to take my own advice and be patient because the game just presents itself over the first six, seven, eight minutes. But I think there was, there's there been some things in the Xavier game. There are some things tonight in Miami that you know, you'd know, you like to see Indiana be more precise in their movement, uh, both offensively and defensively early, and not wait four or five minutes to get in uh, to a game because you just don't want that to come back to haunt them in, in a big game or in the Big Ten. I don't know that you can do that. And my lingering question is, You know, I think Indiana's starting unit is a little slow um, because when that second unit comes in, there's a lot of athleticism and a lot of uh, energy, and it just seems to give a boost more times than not. You know, with Miller Cop, and and race, you talk about the, the old man you know, type of stuff. It just seems like that it's a little bit off compared to the athleticism of the second team. I am not by any means advocating for a change in the lineup. I think that's not even a possibility. You don't do that at all. But I just would like to see you know, MillerCott be a little more aggressive, uh, shooting the three early, uh, running some things for MillerCott maybe, doing some things other than the four out one in, throw it in the post and see how they're reacting. I thought Coach Woodson took a while to get moving with some alternate offense as well um, against the pack line today. So I wasn't really impressed with the first six or seven minutes here or Friday night, and that's on an order, on a hierarchy of importance, is like a two or a three when when this team's playing as well as they are. But it's still lingering a little bit to watch. Can they get off to a, a, a better start in, in the next few games before North Carolina comes calling?
0: And obviously, one lingering question that everyone's going to have is how's is Trace's back? Because when he left, he was kind of holding his back a little gingerly. Nothing that seemed to affect his play. I didn't – did you guys see anything happen specifically that I didn't see anything either? So that's obviously something to monitor. Uh,
2: I would know. imagine that's a sickness issue too, just to, you know, he was sick all last week and hardly practiced and then gave great effort Friday night, and then you're in a hotel and, and you're you're in different places back and forth in and out of a bus, and, and he gave great effort again tonight. You know, you, you get those pains. That's what I'm at least hoping uh, was that he, he had just – he had it, you know, needs a day or two to get rejuvenated.
0: Uh Andy, any lingering questions for you?
1: No, I think the, the starting, uh the the start of games thing that coach mentioned is probably the one that was there. It, otherwise, you're not going to learn a great deal about this. They're great opportunities to get a number of guys playing time, as, as you saw this evening, dependent upon what, you know, the, the Galloway issue is. I said that was precautionary. Do you leave him out for the first game of these? Do you leave him out for the Little Rock game, knowing you're going to play two games in three days? Uh, at that point, do you do? And and that opens up opportunities for a guy like C.J. Gunn, who really made the most of that tonight. But uh, otherwise, outside of just you know getting additional chances to see some of the guys further down the bench, uh, it's it's really can you do something with slow starts? These are going to be games that are maybe a little bit hard to get up for. You're you know kind of uh, the holiday sandwiched in the middle there and. Um, and some of the things like that, but otherwise, I I don't know that there's a whole lot you're looking for out of these games other than keeping everybody healthy and seeing if you can make some incremental improvements on on things from game to game.
0: Let me just toss this one out uh, from Rock Hoosier in the chat mob. It says, are we bad at guarding the three? Um, I get why this question is asked, just because it does seem like you know we've given up a few open ones, and it seems like a lot of times when Coach Woodson is barking at someone from a defensive standpoint it's coming after a wide open three because of overhelp like we talked about uh, I'll be curious to get your guys thoughts there's nothing in the numbers that suggests concern opponents are shooting 30.2 percent from three against Indiana uh, they're taking 40.5 percent of their attempts uh, which is very similar to what it was last year and makes sense given the kind of room protection Indiana has inside so and, you know, and I do think with the, the kind of teams that you're seeing their only chance is just to get hot from three-point range, and so you're seeing teams essentially just sell out offensively to get three-point looks. Um, but I don't I, like. I think the team, this team, despite being tenth overall in defense, has some things to tighten up. Uh, but it's early in the season, and that's fine. I don't. I see no no concern outside of a few things that we've mentioned about overhelp and just tightening up, you know, some switching on the perimeter and some of the stuff that they're doing. I, I have no concern about this team's ability to defend the three-point line. Well. Yeah,
1: I, I, I'm similar to you. I think the two things that have led to open threes that have potentially hurt IU, and I'm this is a lot more uh, the Xavier game than anything because I don't think any any three somebody hit in these other games was was really of of great importance. One we talked about the overhelping. I think there's guys where they're so far away. There was one when we were watching the game on on Friday night. It was like you're so far away, you have no chance of impacting the driver. So to go part way and never really get to a point where you impact the driver and move yourself so far away that you can't close out on the shooter, like stuff like that, uh, I think is one concern. The other is just communication. I think we saw some of that again a little bit more on Friday where there were breakdowns in terms of, you know, how they were guarding uh, screens. It was one with, I think it was Cop and TJD late in the game that that gave up a three at the end where it was just clear they weren't on the same page in terms of what they were doing, which to me is more – as much communication as there is anything. So like, if there's anything to worry about, I guess I would throw those couple things out, but I think those are both um, fixable for sure. As you go through and uh, and look at film and do some things like that. So th- those are, if there's reasons to be concerned, like those are the two things I would point to, but I'm, I'm like you, I don't think there's any, you know, burning issue uh, that's there right now, but those are maybe a couple things to keep an eye on as you go forward, as it pertains to three point defense.
2: It seems like we're having trouble guarding the three because teams can't attack inside with our rim protection very often. So, you know, they take a lot of threes, and then when you hit – anytime there's a three, it's a dagger type of feeling, like, oh, no, there's three points. But I do think it's a great uh, lingering question because the the overhelp on the on a top drive or the middle drive coming off the high ball screen is something that I think Indiana's going to have to address. You know, they're playing what, what I call an over coverage where the guard tries to go over – Uh, the screen and the post guy is either flat or in what's called drop coverage. And how you help that is you tag from the wing. And I don't think Indiana's doing that well. Uh, They're they're either not tagging and the guy's getting to the rim, like on Galloway with um, Kunkel the other night, or you're tagging, or as Andy said, you're in no man's land, you're in between. You're not stopping the ball or in a position to retreat. And, and I thought that was from uh, even the exhibitions where they were paying so much attention to the drive that they put themselves in bad positions. When we interviewed Coach Yaa uh, in, for our community, he was talking about how they were trying to work on closeouts. So I think that's been an issue for them early, and they're trying to get it fixed. And the the issue is, and why it's a great lingering question, is when you got teams that could shoot it and, and have a little more talent, and you give that much space uh, on, on a simple – point guard drive or a point guard you know pick and roll at the top they're going to have a lot of those you're going to give up threes on you know a lifts off of ball screens and doubling the post and things like that but that just seems a simple one pass shot from the wing that needs to be corrected so yeah uh, again minor concern but that but it is a concern all right so coming up Uh, Wednesday, Indiana
0: plays Little Rock. Then we have Thanksgiving on Thursday. We will not have a show, so no Assembly Call Radio on Thursday. But then we'll be back. (laughs) we got two games sandwiched around Thanksgiving, which is really interesting scheduling. But we do have a nice longer gap around Christmas. So frankly, I will take that. I'll take the two games around Thanksgiving. We'll split that up, probably anticipate a couple of two-man shows for that one. I won't be here Friday because it's my wedding anniversary. Uh, so we'll not be here Friday, but it's Little Rock and Jackson State before, of course, the main event uh, at the end of the month against North Carolina. Andy, is there anything we need to know about Jackson State and Little Rock?
1: Well, there's very little that I do know. So hopefully there's not a lot that you should know. <laughs> uh, actually, the two teams are playing each other right now. Uh, and it's, oh, hey. uh, okay. I think Jackson State is up a few points at halftime. So that's that's pretty much what I know at this point. Little Rock is not beaten a division one school their only win came against arkansas baptist which was only by 11 uh for okay. what that's worth uh and jackson state uh is zero and two heading into that game so no I don't, I don't know that uh neither projected to do well in their conference and i think it's uh you know should be a couple easy wins for iu uh and like i said most important thing is make sure nobody gets hurt yes
0: don't get hurt all right, you're listening to the Assembly Call IU Postgame Show. Remember to check out our friends at Home Field Apparel. You can use the promo code BLACKFRIDAY for 20% off right now. Any other time that you go, you can use our promo code HOME and get 15% off your first order. Gentlemen, time for last call. Coach, why don't you go first?
2: Yeah, it, Indiana's 4-0, and just like uh, we hoped they would be with a, a nice win to start off the weekend. As Andy said early, you know what a weekend for IU Athletics. It, it's just been a, a win-after-win From women's basketball, soccer, volleyball has a huge win. Uh, Just, you know, like we want to see it. But a lot of good play with this team right now. And it's just exciting to see. You know, some guys pick up um, next man up when 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 someone's hurt. That's where the depth is really going to to matter. And, and I thought adjustments today. The final thing for me is adjustments throughout the day. I thought Coach Woodson made some nice adjustments offensively to get more movement and encourage the pace. I thought the substitutions were fantastic. I thought players within the game got a little more confident with their ability, overcome some adversity within the game. Uh, as we talked about, those are key things to pick up in these types of games, uh, where, where we should not have any question on the, on the outcome, but man, it's so much fun to have a roster and a team again, where, yeah, we're going to have a disappointment or two at some point in a post game show where we're a little frustrated, but, uh, it's, it's a talented team that you expect to win. And it's getting back to that feeling of Indiana basketball, where, You know, every game I watched, uh, when I first was a fan, you expected to win and we're surprised when you lost. And I think that's the kind of season, uh, we're in store for
0: Andy last call.
1: Yeah. I'll tell you what, I kind of finished where coach started, uh, was, uh, an exciting weekend of basketball really had a great time with, uh, with coach and Amy and Jay, uh, I was glad they could come to town for the alumni association event. We had a great time watching the game. Good crowd of IU fans. And, uh, a lot of excitement around the program was there and to be able to get a key road win like that early in the season was uh, was, was really exciting. And I think gives people reason to just get more and more excited about the team and hopefully we move a little bit away from uh, that feeling of waiting for the rug to get pulled out from underneath you. But I, I think this team uh, is going to be a really exciting one to follow. And uh, it was it was an awesome, awesome time. Awesome to see them in person, which we don't get to do nearly as often as we probably like to. And uh, it was a great way to kick off my weekend. And the, uh, the win tonight was a great way to finish it.
0: Absolutely. A, a terrific four-game start for Indiana. We talked all offseason about how this was going to be a season of great expectations for the first time for this program in a while. How would these guys approach and handle the expectations? or their performance live up to it? Well, we only have four data points and so far as I mentioned before, in every game Indiana has exceeded the expectation. And I think that is a great sign. It's been a long time. Start thinking back to some recent teams. When was the last time that we had a team that through the first four games, every single timeout, they were better than what was expected of them, just consistently. And there have been some inconsistencies within games, but I, you know, I think at a minimum you know, you have to just be feeling good uh, about what this team has done through four games. And I think, you know, if you allow yourself to to dream a little bit, you can actually see, I think in these four games, some reasons to be even more optimistic maybe than you were coming in. All that's going to matter is what they start doing when the schedule stiffens, you know, obviously a huge, huge stretch coming up against North Carolina, then Rutgers, then Nebraska, then Arizona, then Kansas, you know, there's no the cupcakes are gone at that point. There are two more, um, but just really impressed with Indiana has done through these first four games. Hopefully they continue to, you know, develop guys confidence over these next two uh, and then be ready for that big game against North Carolina, but just having a lot of fun watching them, having a lot of fun talking about these games and uh, looking forward to the next time out. All righty. That is going to do it for us on this edition of the assembly call. If you want to see us do the show live and be part of the live chat, Make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash assembly call. And don't forget to go to join.assemblycall.com to join our free email newsletter. Special thank you to Bob Thompson for the music you hear on the show. And special thank you to John Ringer of Rig Design for designing our logo. And thank you for listening. We'll be back to talk IU hoops again with you on Wednesday. Until then.
2: Take it from me, Christian Wofford. Keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. Go Hoosiers.
0: All right, I gotta get out of here, folks. Thank you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thanks for coming out.
2: Here I come, Mrs. Stan Sony.
0: Do we do we give people Ryan's votes for game ball and who's your hustle that he texted us or nah? Nah. Very... Let me just jump in real quick. Hmm. <laughs> I think he said give a game ball to everybody, right? I think that was his uh his idea. No, he went trace and uh who do what do you have? Renew for the Renew Hoosier for hustle. hustle. Yeah. Gun second. It's fine. Eh, sure. Whatever.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know why I thought we needed him to tell us that TJD would be a good choice <laughs> of the game ball, but, you know.
2: <laughs> Just in case, in case yeah. we weren't paying attention. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Blacked out in the middle Come on, of the second. Oh, dude.
2: <laughs> oh, man.
0: All right. Well, that was fun. This team is fun. That they are. I enjoy it. All right, that guys. Uh well, we'll figure out the schedule for next week. Go and enjoy- what's the NFL game tonight? Is there a good game on tonight? Kansas Chargers, City Chargers and Chargers,
1: Chargers. Okay. I need Clearly Justin I throw about... chicken. Sorry, I hit the wrong one. <laughs> I need Justin Herbert throw about nine touchdowns. I can get right back in my fantasy matchup with go. my brother in
2: law. <laughs> hey, why don't you make sure they're to your... Palmer? Yeah. <laughs> Cause I need about nine in mine. <laughs> You wanna
0: show everybody your shirt, Andy, just to make sure they know?
1: No, I I'm not that no, the Eagles did not play well at all. So I have <laughs> nothing to that would have not been a great loss, but uh yeah, I, I'm not here to I'm not here to rub it in. That performance did very is is not uh rub I
0: don't believe that's a word. <laughs> so. But we're really we're creating words. What was the what did Ryan turn into a verb? Uh, Re, on the, refreshman like, year, I think. The refreshman <laughs>
2: year? Refreshman yearing. Year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just creating our own language here on the assembly call. <laughs> I, I will tell you that, you know, Andy's basement is real. You know, all those people wanted to order pizza and everything. You know, we now know that it's uh, it's real. I sat right where Andy was watching some basketball late Friday night. It was nice, uh, nice and well done. But Andy yeah, doesn't he
1: know. He got to see what a really sophisticated setup I really have to do yeah. the show. He was really, <laughs> really
0: impressed with it.
2: <laughs> it's quite like mine <laughs> it was just a reconnaissance
0: mission for chad who is still determined yeah. to order a pizza to you during a show yeah. so hopefully coach got the info that he needs He can to now uh, yeah
1: he can now speak to how difficult it's going to be to get any kind of delivery person to come anywhere near the door that is in the background yeah. and actually find
0: it and, and have anybody answer it <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: he can certainly speak to that
0: uh all right fellas good show good times we'll be back here We'll see you all in the community. If you're in the community, we'll have some stuff over the next few days. But <clears throat> next podcast will be after the uh, Little Rock game. Hopefully another fun one. So
2: Yeah, um, for the community, we're going to get back to our assembly call top 25 poll. We added um, Bob Moats into the panel. And nice. um, my uh, freshman friend who's uh, into, into sports and podcasting, Josh Pose, is also going to be uh, submitting that. So now we have five members to see maybe be a little – well, we're always accurate because we're the assembly call. But um,
0: Josh is a good, solid White Sox fan. I like that about him.
2: That, that's the only it build, reason. It builds a lot that, of character. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so we got a five-man panel uh, for that, and, and votes have been trickling in, and we'll finalize that after tonight's games. So be looking for that um, on a somewhat maybe weekly basis once uh, January hits, but maybe every two weeks or so here and let games happen, but that's going to be there join the community uh, again tony is doing a great job with with Man, his film is. room and stuff yeah. so you know make sure you um, find a way to uh, find a way to join
0: all right last thing before we go trivia time who has the highest independent of uh, like usage rate who has the highest offensive rating on the team get don't look guess who has the highest offensive rating <laughs> Well, did you say that earlier? To, I was inclined to say Banks, right? Because you yeah, said he was Banks. like 178 or something. Hmm. Is it somebody is actually Banks. higher than that? That is, why, that is why I brought this up. It is not I assume, Caleb Banks I, and his gaudy 178.3 offensive rating. I assume radar. that it
1: wasn't, or otherwise you w- would not <laughs> have CJ? brought it up.
0: It is not CJ. I'm actually curious how many guesses is it going to take you guys to get this.
2: 13? <laughs> I mean... <laughs>
1: I mean, it ha- feels like it has to be somebody. I mean, is it actually Trace?
0: <laughs> no, no. I mean, Trace's is unbelievable. It's 154 with a usage rate of 27%. That's complete That's insanity. Good. And That's folks are good. saying Renew. The thing is, Renew uses too many possessions to be that efficient because offensive rating, I mean, a lot of things are taken into account there. He's He's at 112.4, which, don't get me wrong, is a phenomenal <laughs> offensive rating for a freshman using 29% of possessions. But it's not him.
2: Tomorrow, it's
0: not tomorrow.
1: <laughs> oh, I know who be. it is now because I had to look. I couldn't. I couldn't handle it.
0: <laughs> Cheater! It, it, it is. Coach Marlowe is gonna love it. It's Trey Galloway. Trey Galloway with an offensive rating of one hundred and eighty-one point one. So I far mean, technically, it's
1: Nathan Childress based on well. if you look at the <laughs> other part. <laughs>
0: 181.1 1 offensive rating for Trey Galloway. I mean, so, is it's out fun, there. fun it's with two
1: 18.9 and you're just going to gloss over it. Like <laughs> it didn't happen.
0: Uh, I love the early season numbers trace currently, by the way, number five in the Ken Palm player Raider player of the year Rater. So,
2: and, and Jared, I do appreciate you, you know, tweeting out the Titus and Tate commentary that just keeps supporting one of our hosts. It's just, it's meaningful. Wait, which commentary? The one about Micah Shrewsbury.
0: Oh, yes. Yes, apparently uh, Mark Titus is right there on the Micah Shrewsbury uh, bandwagon right along with you. So
2: He's the guy. Sign him up. Long term is, I think, what I heard on the podcast.
0: Yeah. Man, when Penn State's 7-13 and 13 this season, you take your victory lap. It's going to be great. And
2: besides our podcast, that is really you – know, Crimson Cast, you know, and, and, and Podcast on the Brink, those are the three best in the whole country. But, you know, Titus and Tate's right up there with Eye on College Basketball. Those, those guys, they had me laughing and, and serious, looking up stuff. So, there's some more basketball out there after you get done listening to all our stuff, everyone. Yep. Absolutely. Shameless plug. We need to Heck charge yeah. them. <laughs> <laughs> all right, everybody. Send them a bill. Good night, everyone. Good Thanks. All
0: right.